Thank you, Lord. Everyone, I am Judah Bernard with the Rise Creating Voice. I am the wisdom dialoguer and the motivational warrior of the Rise Creating Voice. We are here today to discuss the legacy of life. The legacy of life. What is legacy? What is legacy? And I think we need to realize what that means in every aspect. Um, in every aspect of what is legacy. And I want to read the legacy project and this is something that I've dropped into the chat. And for those who want to go to it, it's www.legacyproject.org. Legacy is about life and living. It's about learning from the past, living in the present, and building for the future. One question we want to ask is, where do you think it's best to plant a young tree? A clearing in an old growth forest or an open field? We'd like to welcome our guest, James, to the platform. How are you doing? Yes, he's still muted. Uh, I'm fine. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good, good, good. We're riding, so there might be a little noise on it, so I don't know you. Yeah, it's a lot of noise. So. <laughs> Is it real bad? It's real I don't know if it's the error or the window down. Oh, it's just rolling, I think. It's the what? We just we just moving. I think I think that's the sound of it. Is that better? Like no. same. It's still the same, so we can we can deal with it. Oh, there you go. That's better. That's better. Okay. What whatever you did before, I don't know whether you moved it or covered the I moved up. it up. I moved it up higher. Oh, okay. Whatever you did, like before you moved it up, it kind of like silenced it. <laughs> is, is, is you hear it now? Yeah. How about that? What did you just do when you? Like if you put your hand over it, but well, you still speak through the mic. I put my hand over that thing. Yeah. Well, I just had to mute until I get ready to talk, man. How about that? Okay. That's right. So, in clearing an old growth forest or an open field, ecologists tell us that a young tree grows better when it's planted in an area with older trees. The reason it seems is that the roots of the young tree are able to follow the pathways created by former trees and then plant themselves more deeply. Over time, the roots of many trees may actually graft themselves to one another, creating an intricate, independent foundation hindered under the ground. In this way, stronger trees share resources with weaker ones so that the whole forest becomes healthier. <clears throat> That's legacy. An interconnection across time with the need for those who have come before us and the responsibility to those who come after us. One thing we have to understand that legacy is a fundamental to what it is to be human. Research shows that without a sense of working to create a legacy, adults lose meaning in their life. 
Let me repeat that. Research shows that without a sense of working to create a legacy, adults lose meaning in their life. I just want people to hear that. Um, Research shows that without a sense of working to create a legacy, adults lose meaning in their life. Exploring the idea of legacy offers a glimpse not only to human relationships and building strong communities, but also the human spirit. The idea of legacy may remind us of death, but it's not about death. Being reminded of death is actually a good thing because death informs life. It gives you a perspective on what's important. But legacy is really about life and living. It helps us decide the kind of life we want to live and the kind of world we want to live in. The giving and receiving of legacies can evoke all at once the entire spectrum of basic human emotions. Hope, longing, regret, anxiety, fear, dread, jealousy, bitterness, rage, a sense of failure, a sense of accomplishment, pride, contentment, joy, gratitude, humility, love. When you start thinking about legacies, no matter what your age or state of health, you take stock of your possessions and also of your accomplishments and disappointments. You take stock of what you've learned from what you've done in the past, what you're doing now, and what you still hope to do. With varying levels of awareness, individuals also inevitably reflect on the people, work, ideas, commitments, and social institutions that have given their lives shape and meaning. In this reading, it talks about most of us are, most of us will not be an Albert Einstein with our name and accomplishments remembered forever in the history books. But that does not lessen our need to create some meaning in our lives, to have what we've done and thought live on after us to be remembered in some way. From a purely practical standpoint, if you don't pass on your life experiences by leaving a legacy, the wisdom you've gained through the decades of difficult learning will disappear as your physical body wears out. One thing people have to understand when you leave legacy, it may take many forms. Children, grandchildren, a business, an ideal, a book, a community, a home, some piece of ourselves. Our legacy naturally intrigues us. It's perfectly understandable that we will want to know how the world will remember us after we're gone. How many of us will be surprised? How many of us are living our lives so that our legacy reflects all that we truly hold most near and dear? And how many of us are living with integrity and courage? Most of us do the best we can, and that's all anyone can ask. One thing is um, the Legacy Project here is about helping you do the very best you can. I share that same sentiment in uh, life and health coaching and just my coaching in general is making you sure you're doing the very best you can. Um, and what does that mean? Um, providing support in our areas and making you aware of your intent, your wisdom, and also moving you forward and promising hope. Let's look at your life at this moment in reading. Helping you do the best you can involves thinking about your life map. If you don't have some sort of life map, you end up wandering around hopelessly lost. Some people chart the road better than others, but I found that most people maps are incomplete and insufficient. What is the place of a human being in this world? When you're young, when you're old, How do you live a full and meaningful life? 
each of us answers those questions very differently. And I hope all agree once they hear this later. Our primary challenge of human beings is living in the present, making choices about the present. But with the awareness of an uncertain future, the most extreme example of this dilemma is knowledge of our own mortality. But life is full of occasions when we have to make important decisions with limited information. The fundamental indeterminacy of the future is an essential quality of human experience. We can never know exactly what's in store for us, yet we still try to live a good and meaningful life. No one can survive living simply from moment to moment, denying the future. There has to be a weekly rhythm and a connection to something bigger. There has to be a seasonal rhythm and a generational rhythm. Part of this involves planning, but also involves an intuitive sense of natural rhythm. There are ripples of rhythms with rhythms, some things being able to be achieved in a short time span, while other perhaps taking years. It's about getting your bearings in eternity. One thing we know that community is vital for remembering the past and fulfilling responsibilities to the future. One thing is Native Americans recognize the value of maintaining the participation of older adults. Elders fulfill the role of storytellers, teaching children where their people came from and what their culture expects of them. Expanding our time perspective is a useful way of understanding all kinds of events and issues. It becomes particularly useful when we're trying to understand something as complex as what's going on in the world at large. So many changes are taking place in so many places on the planet. They're looking what in this week's newspaper isn't much help in getting true knowledge. It's too much about life in the sensational moment. Too sensational moment. It's ironic that a sense of history was much greater among the ancients than it is today. The people of India could think in terms of Kalpas, which consisted of 4,000 million years of human reckoning. The Babylonian tradition later adapted the Greeks and by medieval Christendom included the concept of the great year, generally used to refer to 36,000 year cycle, after which history was thought to repeat itself. On the one hand, are such great sweeps of time that individual events seem insignificant. On the other, such a brief present that it's gone before we know it. What we do have to understand is how we respond to the fundamental certainty of life and the immenseness of eternity shapes everything we do. And it's driven in part how we think about our place in the world, our sense of identity. Some people think of identity as a kind of answer, an ideal or end state achieved progressively through an ongoing examination of one's character and qualities. Others see identity as a question, an open-ended journey that's always shifting and changing. For them, the development of self requires a kind of enlightened indeterminacy, a willingness to embrace ambiguity and uncertainty as an integral part of everyday life. For all kinds of people, however, identity is a significant accomplishment. Coping with the uncertainties of your place in the world is key to sanity. Human emotions are also largely determined by our beliefs about the future, by our degree of confidence that things will turn out well for us. The goal is stability without falling into the trap of certainty, of believing there is one absolute truth. I'm going to say that the goal is stability without falling into the trap of certainty of believing there is one absolute truth. Did you still driving there? I know that was a lot to chew up at that moment. Um, yeah, we're still driving. Uh, we had to stand still now the light, so getting close to probably another five or six minutes. We'll be able to stop for a while. Okay. So one thing we also know that we need to hold on to hope. And that's one thing that we don't do is produce that hope where it's available. And in needing that hope, we all need hope, especially now with everything that is happening on the world stage. 
And I know what you want to ask, what is hope? People use the word hope in many contexts. You might think of three virtues, which is faith, hope, and charity. Used in this sense, hope is a quality that imbues an individual with a certain grace in the fear of adversity. We are said to have high hopes. We hope something will or will not happen. We say we are hopeful about the future. When we use the word hope in these ways, it's synonymous with saying want or expectation. What we're really saying is, I want something to turn out the way I would like. Hope ends up denoting a rather passive wait-and-see attitude to the desired goal. It isn't an active process used to reach objectives. The concept of hope is part of the project and it's more active and more dynamic. Hope is a process, a process that can be learned and pursued. Hope looks at what is and comes up with a plan for achieving what can be. Hope projects alternate realities and is rooted in some deep-seated need to believe that the world can be other than it is. Said playwright and Sheikh's Republic President Vaclav Havel, hope is an orientation of the spirit, an orientation of the heart, it transcends the world that is immediately experienced and is anchored somewhere beyond its horizons. It is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the conviction that something is moral and right and just, and therefore you fight regardless of the consequences. And that is hope. Hope is a quality of character that sustains belief under seemingly impossible situations. When kindness seems impossible or poverty inevitable, or when the world seems cruel and life unbearable, people encounter sources of hope in the imagination, in the words and examples of others, and in witness to the natural wonders around us every day. Hope does not extinguish suffering, but sustains the belief that there can be an end to it, if not in your own life, then in the future. And so hope propels you into action. One thing we have to understand that hope is present and you don't wait and have an all-weight attitude about it. You actually continue on and whatever consequence comes, you have to receive that consequence. Yes. And it's all connected. One thing that we have to understand, leaving a legacy is a human need. It is in part selfish, we want to feel immortal. The idea of leaving something behind that will live forever is appealing. We also want to feel like we matter the vast sea of humanity. By connecting with those at the beginning of their lives, we do complete a full circle in life's journey and leave some of ourselves, our experiences, our ideas, our values, and personal example in the minds and hearts of others. But leaving a legacy also has a trusic, a trusic component. If we don't leave a positive legacy, what kind of society are we building? What kind of world are we living behind? What are we passing on to our children and grandchildren? Norman Cousins wrote an intriguing piece related to legacy. As I read, what is the eternal and ultimate problem of a free society? It is the problem of the individual who thinks that one man cannot possibly make a difference in the destiny of that society. It is the problem of the individual who doesn't really understand the nature of a free society or what is required to make it work. It is the problem of the individual who has no comprehension of the multiplying power of single but sovereign units. It is the problem of the individual who regards the act of pulling a single lever in a voting booth in numerical terms rather than historical terms. It is the problem of the individual who has no real awareness of the millions of bricks that had to be put in place one by one over many centuries in order for him to dwell in the penthouse of freedom nor does he see any special obligation to those who continue building the structure 
or to those who will have to live in it after him for better or worse. It is the problem of the individual who recognizes no direct relationship between himself and the decisions made by government in his name. Therefore, he feels no special obligation to dig hard for the information necessary to an understanding of the issues leading to those decisions. In short, freedom's main problem is the problem of the individual who takes himself lightly historically. This is where the personal becomes political. Through legacy, me becomes we. And the irony is that me actually becomes more in the process. We encompass past and future, old and young, in the society we create and perpetuate. Society is indeed a contract, said Edmund Burke, a British writer and member of Parliament. It becomes a partnership not only between those who are living, but between those who are living and those who are dead and those who are to be born. We are all young and old, part of a larger community, a community that must remember its history to build its future. Community exists before you are born and remains after you are gone. Each part of your life, from childhood to adulthood to older adulthood, as a part in taking in or passing on the lessons of the past in order to create a better future. So I know we want to know, what does all this mean? I know you're just like, oh my gosh, what are we doing here? One thing that we are doing, we are all bound by the life course. It is the human condition. Looking from the very start of your life at your entire life course is not an easy thing, but it is increasing critical. The young have choices to make that have lifelong implications. Today's children have more choices and more difficult choices to make than their parents when they were young. The decisions are thrust upon them at earlier and earlier ages and have serious and long-lasting consequences. Older people have experienced something that younger people cannot, a personal sense of the entire life course. They can offer the young a glimpse of that life course. At the beginning, we are what we are given. By midlife, as we make our way in the world, we come to understand that we can be what we have been given and what we can create. Toward the end of life, we must understand that we must give to others so that when we leave this world, we are what we have been given, have created, and have passed on. Historically, the day of a person's death has been seen as the most important day of their life, the day against which their entire life is measured. Our critical day, elaborated John Doan, is not so much the very day of our death, but the whole course of our life. We have an awareness of chronological age because it's very much a structural feature of the way we've organized our society. From education to the workplace, to nursing, homes, but a person's activities throughout their life are to a significant degree, ordered according to a series of cultural norms, patterns, expectations, and rules. There are actually four dimensions of time that influence the flow of individuals through the life course. Lifetime, chronological age, family time, events and roles within the family, social time, cultural expectations, and historical time, social cultural era. A life course perspective takes into consideration all four dimensions of time and highlights the way that events and decisions that occur early in life can have consistent effects on the structure and quality of our life at later points in time. There is an intersection of social and historical facts with personal biography. A life course perspective also emphasizes the lifelong nature of development and asserts that our understanding of any point in the life course is enhanced by taking into account an individual's past history and future expectations. In practical terms, a life course perspective is about helping children learn to make critical, life-determined decisions. It is about helping the young extend and enhance their own lives. It is also about developing a sensitivity to the needs and concerns of the aging population. It involves recognizing that people now have many more choices across the various phases or turning points of their life when they did at the turn of the 20th century. One thing we know that 
For adults, legacy means hoping for the future. It means developing and passing on a timeless part of yourself. We feel valued and useful no matter how old we get. We remember our priorities and make life choices based on them. We come to terms with our accomplishments and our disappointments. We create personal meaning and purpose. We realize that as we do our bit in the grand scheme of things, our tiny gestures multiply in significance. We understand that the world we leave behind is the world our children and children's children inherit. We know that we have an obligation to help make a future a little bit better than the past. For both young and old, the power of legacy enables us to live fully in the present. You understand you are part of a larger community, a community that must remember its history to build its future. There is caring combined with conscience. There's also wisdom to be found in each other, linking action and reflection to deal with complex problems. Legacy is much, very much about life and living. And that is by Ms. Bosick. Ms. Susan V. Bosick, which is What is Legacy? Part of the Legacy Project. I chose this topic basically because we have a lot of people that are aimlessly just out there. And the one thing that I want to start teaching people is what 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 is your legacy? And how can you derive to it? And what does that look like? Um, because, you know, we, we've, we had people die before and leave a negative legacy. We have some people die and leave positive legacy. We just have people killed and probably didn't even know they had a legacy. Um, we want to have conversation about that. And what is your actual legacy in the and just living life and things like that. But then again, when you are not um, able to define what that legacy is, do you sit and mope and crope or be in this emotional state where nothing works for you? We want to definitely just take that time out to think for about two to three minutes. Um, take some pen and pad out and Actually, write down, have I ever thought about my legacy? What does that legacy mean to you? Also, if I'm not living my legacy, how can I get assistance in developing my legacy or looking at what I could leave as a legacy? So jot those three questions down and definitely start thinking about what are you going to leave this earth? What are you going to leave your children, your grandchildren, anybody, your family when you leave? I know a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to get a policy and I'll leave you $100,000. Now, is $100,000 really a legacy? Or is that just money that's given that's probably to be spent up within the six months after you pass? <laughs> that's one thing we have to think about. What are you, what are you leaving as the wisdom that you have possessed while you're here on earth, where you have the interconnectedness with the other young people, where you have the balance and whether those kids can grab your wisdom and dig deeper roots. Um, one thing I liked was, um, I don't know, what's that, what's that movie called? The Avatar. And I don't know if many people watch that. It was some blue creatures um, they were very tall, um, and they always go to this, they connected to this tree, and this tree gave them dreams and different things, and they go and, you know, hum and do whatever there, but that showed where the the lifeline was for a lot of them, and when they pass away and things like that, they actually lay by that tree and it's sort of like they absorb into that tree. And I guess a bunch of their ancestors and things like that have become a part of that tree. And that's where their ancestors live and give information. I wonder um, to all the listeners that's going to listen to this, um, have your ancestors imparted wisdom in you? And uh, what are you doing with it? Because I see that sometimes um, for me, 
when I see different shootings and different negative things that people do, what's their process? What's their thought process? And sometimes that, um, for a word, um, bothers me, being that have there been negative impartations given to you where you react like that or these current impartations um, where you act like that or you're just not addressing the um, deepness of the rooted situation that you may be dealing with from inside. Um, So that's a a whole nother topic. Um, Deeply rooted stuff. (laughs) So we'll definitely hit that up soon. Uh, because basically I see that somehow there are still some different things that people are dealing with that can't, they can't come to a forefront. And they, um, I was in this, um, I think it was, a, what it was a short film and the short film was called the battle, the battle in your mind. And I wonder, do people really understand what the battle in your mind is? Um, you're at war with yourself, and and in that war that your mind is defeating what you're thinking, and you're trying to battle what you're going to do with it. And sometimes it gets so heavily bogged down that you are not able to think through it. Um, because you have so many other different things going on inside of that and things you're trying to solve that they're unsolvable. Um, and you want to know the why, the who, the could, the uh, because, and all that stuff. Then you take on the other attributes of if you have children, spouse, other family problems, work, and things like that. And all that gathers you to be somewhat tired. And once you're tired, how can you really think? So that's the question. Hey, how you doing, James? Let's come back on and actually let's talk and see what's going on in people's minds. Yes, because it is. Oh, you're quiet. (laughs) Yes. We're waiting on you. Yes. So what do you think legacy? Um. And what does that look like? Wow. That's the legacy to me is really having something in particular that you leave for your children's and children's children that will go down through generations. And uh, I guess from my father, I guess the legacy he left was the the act of being true and definite to what you believe in. Uh, He didn't have material values to leave and what material values he had. He did depart them with us, but it wasn't like monetarily and uh, wasn't a whole bunch of that. But he did leave the spiritual and definite that strong taking a stand in life and and understanding what life is and accepting for what it is. Uh, That's what I got from my dad and mom. Um, And I try to instill that in my children. Uh, And I try to gain some things and I always try to make sure that we do better. And that's what I want to teach. And what I'm trying to teach is make sure that we get things to where we can have something to pass on from generation to generation. So uh, monetarily or a business or something that we can have to pass on. So that's what we're looking at now. We, we have discussion about it, but hadn't gotten it to that point and so I don't know if it would happen in this generation or the next one and so the fact of it is just like you said uh, 
it got to be some discussion about it and some uh, uh, some avenues of working toward that. And I think that we are in that position now. Uh, we're doing the fact of us being enslaved individuals back in our and in, in, in our forefathers uh, caused us to be where we are, but it didn't. It didn't put us in a position where we didn't want to progress, and that's that. And I'm thankful as well as very proud of that. And learning our children that the stamina or the st the stigma of that still don't determine who you are. That you can't be who you want to be. So we had to do quite a bit of fighting, quite a bit of uh, going through depressions as well as uh, fighting, just fighting, fighting, not necessarily against each other, but against the world and against uh, racism, against a lot of other things to try to make things come to fruition or to make it to where we could be make it better for our children. So I, I know I went around the world with it, but I, 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 you asked the question, what is a legacy? And I said, that is what you hand down to your children's children. And and I guess what, I don't have a guess, I know what we've had and started is a legacy of love and stam, stamina for us standing up for what you know is right. Uh, that is one of the key factors that my dad said, and, and and doing what you're doing is right, and teaching us those things, and and even though that all of us don't project all those things, but the teaching was there, and that is all he could do. That is all in, one individual can do is teach, and but it's left up to those individuals that's been teaching, mm -hmm. being taught, to accept and project. And that's, that's one thing and a good point was is to project. And um, I guess for me, so many people have so many different ways of projecting. Um, and like we said earlier is, um, I think for me is basically when there are so many different values mm -hmm. and people withstand their values and still lose some of the interconnectedness. Um, it becomes um, what's what's the word? Not so relevant with um, being that the legacy is probably prevalent um, because we we all have different values. Um, so I think for me is number one is if i'm reading legacy and it has to be the interconnection mm -hmm. and what does that mean that somehow in different areas and this is speaking for the general population is somewhere there was some disconnection in different areas because i i mentioned earlier about people shooting and killing each other and things like that and it becomes very prevalent in our African-American community. So I'm, I'm like, what is, is that um, negative legacy that may have been left behind and that's all they know? Or is it just what the present is presenting? <laughs> that's hard to say because you, we, we can all try to define and try to uh, say which is which, but how can you make that determination because of the fact we've got so many agents out there? That's that's a deep question right there, and and you got to be righteous first of all in order to be able to not determine, but to 
be able to inspect or go into reasoning with it. Because, you know, if you're not righteous, your self-will, your desires, or your want would make the determinations. So that's why I say that's, that's deep. Uh, looking at my family and knowing what we was taught and seeing all the different variations that come out of that. And so that, that's why I say what I'm saying. So I don't know what, and, and I guess in, 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 in the determining factor still is Satan and, 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 and whether, whether, and we made a, we may have, and we not may have, but we did because we're in the shape we're in. We accepted his, we accepted his, mm -hmm. not his, his guidelines, but his things that he wanted, you know, his will. I put it like that. Right. And I think and, we just got, go ahead. go ahead. I think we've got out the, 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 what's the word I want to use? The, the practice of sharing resources. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody just want I think um, when we talked about it at the end it became a political situation where they talk about we but it's really about me mm -hmm. <laughs> and they no longer share those resources because I want to be on top and I want to be the greatest legacy and I'm not giving anything to anybody right. and that's how sometimes it be um, but what does that do for the world? And I think I'm speaking from a global perspective. Okay. Um, when we look at sharing the resources, what does that mean? And, you know, I, I think I, I, you know, I know I said it previously because it becomes so more, more political when the society piece of it gets there. Mm. And we're, we're saying we a lot. Um, Congress and you know different people that are in political positions mm -hmm. but it's really about me and I think a great example of that is Donald Trump <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of we's but then well, it turns yeah, out to be nah. that goes on to again individuals in accepting say mystic or satanic forces uh, because of selfishness or desire to rule and govern where you really don't have the means to do so, but you have a desire to do. Well, not necessarily means, but the who, the knowledge of doing it or the righteousness, the righteous knowledge of doing it, but you have a desire to do it. And I, I think that's what puts us in a bad situation too because without righteousness you know everybody's just doing what they want to do and that's why we fall into that category and i know i read and i just want to read this again it said those giving and receiving of legacies can evoke all at once the entire spectrum of basic human emotions mm -hmm. hope longing regret anxiety fear dread jealousy bitterness rage a sense of failure, a sense of accomplishment, pride, contentment, joy, gratitude, humility, and love. <clears throat> so whatever that giving and receiving of the legacy, it, it's saying that it can really just burst open the entire spectrum of basic human emotions. But I want to be on the contentment, joy, gratitude, humility, and love spectrum. <laughs> Well, but he um, said bust out all of them at some point all of them will appear now which one would control would be the emotion or the uh, desire the ones that's projecting mm -hmm. so that that would determine which way it's going to go Gerald, any questions, any answers? Or? No. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> like, I ain't gonna talk tonight. <laughs> I'm, I'm just getting back in the car, been in and okay. out trying to work with mom. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, we, so we I think quite a few things going on, so we're trying to work in and out. So that was the whole idea. Oh, okay. No, no, no. We didn't want to prolong you guys. Um, I definitely mm-hmm. want to bring this topic up because the legacy of life is important. And more than usual, like I always tell people, stop writing your resume and write your eulogy um, because it will tell you just what you left um, by time you are able to expire. (laughs) And that's one thing that you want to definitely start doing is making that legacy into what you want people to say after you leave and not what you're doing here presently. Um. Any other questions? Any other comments? Um, we did speak about legacy and the le- life of legacy, and I want to dive deeper because I feel that in this community that we're in, um, we need to be looking for a better change where we have processes in place for our young people, um, regardless of their fatherless, motherless, foster care, or whatever. Um, there are children um, suffering. Um, in systemic programs. Um, and we don't know, um, being an ex-foster care worker, you know, um, I'm just going to put it out there. Some foster homes abuse children. True. Mm-hmm. Um, some homes abuse children. So yeah. there ain't no foster homes. Say it again. Some, some homes, not foster homes, some homes abuse children. Oh, yes, yes. And, and But the thing is, we still have to understand in that abuse we have to understand number one is and this this is what i tell people i i've worked in foster care for five years mm-hmm. and in those five years i only had to remove one child from the house because i believed in family preservation mm-hmm. um and i think they were renewed reu- reunified um even before i left i'm more than sure because it was probably like a six weeks to like three um three months type of thing and and the person got their self together but that speaks volume because basically so many people that go into this field are not um fit for that type of work (laughs) Um, we had we had a lot of criminal justice people we had this that and third people you know with different things and I was looking like yeah that this is not gonna work (laughs) well everybody have a an idea of what they think things ought to go in and and see that's that's a talk mechanism as well when you go into a situation or a a a profession you need to have some kind of idea of what it is and then to know what the extent of that idea is uh Times are hard out here. People just want a job. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So, therefore, they they get a job, and when they get there, they say, oh, this ain't what I really want, but they just hang there. But they they really hurting themselves and hurting those individuals that's there. Just want to make the money. Well, I'm going to try to make as much as I can and do that, but they don't like the job. So, you're not going to do a good job. So, you know, that's what you get a lot of things happen like that. And even though I was one of those that had the job. I didn't like the job, but I had to work and I need to feed my kid, but then I had to learn something about it, what I liked, the way I could project. So I got involved in doing helping communities. I got involved in helping other folk and things in that job to make me feel good about that job. So that made me want to do a better job. And even the fact of being taught how to do a good job with what you're doing with whatever job you get. So it was to the point that I was taught to do a good job no matter what. And everybody don't have that. It's very admirable for you because I know a lot of people that just don't like to work. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) That part. Yeah, that real part. Um, But I think just moving forward that one thing is the the biggest part of this is what is your legacy? And that legacy has to be meaningful, definitely to you first, to leave it. And also um, to those people that you will leave it to, too, as well. So it has to have some type of impact. And that's the biggest problem that 
um, legacies are done. And some people just, you know, <laughs> they put stuff out here. I don't know if it's a legacy or not. Cause it, and I think um, people think legacies is like celebrities and it's really not. <laughs> no. You, well, see, you, in, in my immediate family, what I, I decided to do as a, a legacy of life is when the, when my children and girls got 16, they got a diamond ring. The boys got 16. I wanted to give them either a shotgun or a watch. And I think I still did it to, to, to the extent with everybody. But, you know, that, that just to symbolize that part of life was magical for them. Not only magical, but to the point where you are reaching someone in adulthood so you can realize some of the better things that's in life. And and that was the whole idea when I did those, let them know when they reached that age, you, you, that was the conversation we had. You're about to reach adulthood and you need to understand that life holds a lot more, but this is a token of something that you didn't have, that you have now that's been, hopefully that would make you see better in life or want to do better in life. So that was one of the things and, and I was really working real hard trying to have land all that, but it didn't work out like I thought it was going to work out. So it might have been intended for me to do it, but it's still not too late. So I'm praying to God that we do have something in place or put something in place that we will have something uh, before we die. Okay. So that's the same now. Sounds like a plan. So as we leave here, always remember, what is your legacy in life? And if it's so much more of what you have for the right now, um, where we have to be upset, always negative, we're out here killing, we're out here just doing vicariously things, think about, about what you want to leave when you do grow up. And grow up quickly. Because <laughs> we need resources on this earth and we need that interconnection. And sometimes we've lost it. We've lost it. Um, it's so astray where we're we're speaking to each other very violently and very um, unproductive. Um, so we must understand what that means because um, still in my whole ministry, God is love. Truly. And if we're not expelling or regurgitating that same love, why are we here? Mm. Why are we here? That's in the workplace. That's on the streets. That's in the clubs. That's in the church. <laughs> we got to exhibit that. True. And so many times we don't. In many instances. And I know we, we had a song that said, and you know we're Christians by our love. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just going to say that I don't know a lot of Christians then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because, I mean, if we're going to, if we're going to base it off love, no. Nah. But that's what it's based off of. That's why, hey, like I said, I don't know a lot of Christians. I, I, I don't want to put a tag on you. You know, I'll be the, uh, uh, you know, if I don't see your love, I put the, you must not be a Christian tag on you. <laughs> uh, but we got to understand what that means. Mm. We really do have to understand what that means. And give yourself a tag if you know you don't love people. Mm. Be able to be accountable and responsible that okay, today, the day I don't want to love, don't go nowhere then. Stay in the house. <laughs> do something that's going to make you try to love people. <laughs> Mow the grass, do something. <laughs> but and, 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 and endow that love, whatever love that is. And I know it's hard for some people because some people probably weren't properly shown love. But, you know, you have some attributes of love. Let's say that. Well, at the age of 12, everyone has the opportunity to make determinations about their life. 
So there's avenues out there where everybody can learn good and bad. And, and I know everybody had choices to make. Mm-hmm. So everybody made the choice they wanted to make uh, until they got to be the age they are now. So whatever choice you make, that's, that's, that was your choice. So uh, I know the way you can put it, uh, teaching, uh, all those things are there, but then even with the teaching, you have to still choose to accept. Mm-hmm. And some people choose not to accept. So, you know, I ain't no other way you can put it. Right. You so, ain't nobody gonna make it. Right. You don't want to make it, just you don't want to make it, but at least if you don't want to make it, um, try to receive some assistance. Um, Whether you need to call to a mental health professional, mm-hmm. life coach, health coach, minister, pastor, elder, apostle, whoever. Um, get some type of guidance where you can connect with their roots and their their interconnectedness within the ministry or people that you can rely on um, outside of the ministry, mental health therapists, mental health professionals. Um, just talk to someone if it's just a mentor or something and making sure just what it is, it, it is what it is. Um, just find that that person and that resource that can assist you. True. Just going to announcements, definitely we do have our Sunday Jewels on the Rise every Sunday. The whole month of November, I will be out. So you can go to www.therise.live. Yes, the whole month of November, soon it turns October 31st, I am shutting down. <laughs> and I won't see anybody to December 2nd. <laughs> so I'm just letting you know before you go, um, you can listen to the archives. I have dropped the uh, um, archives, www.therise.live for the whole month of November already. So we do have some archive videos in there. Um, it's time, you know, for... Um, little Mr. Judah get some rest. <laughs> so I'm enjoying that. And so um, if you want to definitely go to www.therise.live um, every Sunday it will drop in November at 12 p.m. noon Eastern Standard Time. Um, I will not be having any um, live um, Instagram live either as well on Sunday. So the whole month I am off. I'm just letting you know I'm tidying up my schoolwork. I'm tidying up everything. Nothing will happen <laughs> in the whole month of November <laughs> but me uh, receiving rest. Okay. So moving forward, um, definitely if you want to join Greater Tabernacle Ministries for um, Sunday School, um, Sunday School is at 845 every Sunday and that's 845 Central Standard Time, 945 Eastern Standard Time, and that number is 774-258-6705. That's 774-258-6705. Also, if you are looking to come to a Bible study, Great Bible Study, every Wednesday, same number for Greatest Tabernacle Ministries, that's 715 Central Standard Time and 815 Eastern Standard Time, and that's 774-258-6705. It sounds like I said that wrong. Was that right? Bible study? Yeah, Bible study, 615. 615, Eastern, Central Standard Time. Central, right. Okay, 715. Okay, I did say that wrong. 715, Eastern Standard Time. Right. We also have Repairing Spiritual Relationships every second Tuesday, Thursday. And that is on the same line and same time, 6.15 Central Standard Time and 7.15 Eastern Standard Time, repairing spiritual relations. We also get ready to go down to Revival, which is October the 3rd through the 7th. And after that, that's actual prayer meeting. And that's the same time... Um, prayer meeting, which is seven, seven fifteen Eastern Standard Time, is six fifteen, seven thirty. Yeah, six thirty. 
Eastern Standard Time and 6.30 Central Standard Time. Immediately after that, the following week is revival. So come and get your prayer on, get, on, get your worship on. We do a very Southern Baptist. Just get the grab the old red Baptist hymnal and you uh, practice on the song. Start listening to them now. And come on, join on in at 774-258-6705. Maybe um, we can get you, me and my um, James can sing a old gospel song for you if he want to render it. I'll just sing along. So they'll know how we'll do. <laughs> Go ahead and close us out with one of them songs, Dad. Father, Dr. Watts, go and get you. All you got to do is YouTube and YouTube Dr. Watts. They'll give them all it. of them. Take you your time. The old fashioned prayer meeting, five days, not one or five two days. Five days and five I nights. No days and five as well. And you know, that's going to be my fasting time. So guess what? Yeah. Oh, it's going to be on and popping. It'll be genuine and real. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, before we leave, we just want to thank you for your support. Um, I have reached 30 hours of Pod Being Live. So I'm blessed to have have that uh, ministry where we've at least talked 30 hours um, here on Pod Being Live. Uh, we're just looking for more people to join. And we don't need more people. As long as you listen to it later. That's the important part. As <laughs> long as you get something out of this. And I know most of my podcasts be very long, but I have so much to say to y'all. So much to say. I'm downloading I'm downloading it from heaven. And the Holy Spirit is just leading and guiding me as I continue on. But we need to have these conversations. I definitely want to um, thank everybody um, for um, the prayers and everything. Everything is just going so well with the book too as well, um, which is coming out very, very soon. Um, hopefully by the end of this month, not the end of this month, but yeah, September, <laughs> if not the end of this month, I did talk to the editor and publisher and they said they wanted me to do at least one or two more stories inside that book. And so what we're going to do is do that and send it on to the editor and things like that. And hopefully it'll be on Barnes and Noble's bookshelves before the end of October. So we're thankful and grateful to that. We've already got our literature and the the headlines and the um, illustrations and all that stuff too as well. So we're grateful and thankful. I'm also, you know, we're doing health and life coach, spiritual coach, and and I'm in training for executive coaching. So we're doing a lot. But guess what? God is still in control. And the holistic part about it is that I don't have to tell you anything. You are in charge of your mind, and I assist you in your mind processes. I love it. It's called holistic to me, where you don't need any um, medicine or anything. We just talk. Mm. But most of the talking, I don't do. You do. Mm. So come on in if you need a health or life coach or spiritual coach so we can get you to thinking and using that mind 
Because a mind is a terrible thing to waste, so they say. <laughs> so as we leave here, we want you to tell a friend, tell a foe, tell your spouse. Heck, tell everyone. We'll see you on this podcast, which will be this Sunday. And that is um, this Sunday. <laughs> the first Sunday. Make sure you grab your juice and your crackers and take the blood in the body of Jesus Christ for those who do it on first Sundays. Mm-hmm. Because it is the blood that will never lose its power. Okay. Never. That's it. Y'all have a good night. Okay. Blessings, man. Mm-hmm.